Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'm Joe Cunningham, and joining me to help make sense of my madness are... <laughs> no one can make sense of your madness. Seb Patrick. <laughs> and James Hunt. Uh, so yeah, this is the this is the long-promised episode um, where you get to hear me watching 18 Marvel movies over a 40 and a half hour span, as it ultimately panned out to be. Also six short movies as well. Um, and kind of my... In, uh, decreasing attempts to try and talk about the films and understand the films. Um, I, I like how you started my... off with like a really deep analysis, and then by the end you were like, "Hella's costume is good." <laughs> <laughs> well, the listen. There was the one of the later ones where you were, you weren't even talking about the film you've just seen. You were you were talking about a previous one. <laughs> I'm, uh, it might have been Ant Man. I think I was like I've started yeah. thinking about Age of Ultron a bit more. <laughs> anyway, listeners, you're you are now over the the course of the next I don't know forty or fifty minutes. If you if you really want, uh, you're going to get to listen to my reactions to each of those films. Uh, listen to my descent into madness, and then at the end, um, if you rejoin us, uh, we're going to have a brief chat about. What happened afterwards, um, and also um, a, a little tidbit on Infinity War as well. Uh, so I hope you enjoy, and we'll be we'll be back at the end. Good morning, everybody. The MCU marathon is just about to start. I have got Iron Man queued up in the uh, Blu-ray player behind me, um, and yeah, it is seven a.m. Uh, minor panic during the night when I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep for half an hour um, and I thought oh no I've lost before I started but I got back to sleep and um, now I'm bright eyed, bushy tailed raring to go for the next 40 odd hours whatever it's going to be um, yeah so um, you can follow me on Twitter using the hashtag MCU Charity Marathon um, and I'll be posting these little updates to SoundCloud throughout the day as well, which will all be edited together to form a podcast. Um, so yeah, I've got my I've got my coffee. I've got um, a, a pan of chocolate. It's I couldn't be more ready for this. Um, so let's do some Iron Man. Right there, we are one film down. That was Iron Man. Um, we're two hours in, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling awake now. This is good. 
Um, one film down, 17 to go, and some short movies. Um, but yeah, really fun start watching Iron Man. Um, I've been doing a lot of live tweeting, uh, so hopefully if you're around on Twitter today, you'll enjoy some of that. Um, I'm imagining I'm going to be more active on that now than I am going to be 24 hours from now or 36 hours from now. Uh, but for now, be you know, lots of fun going through Iron Man, finding lots of gifts from the movie, and um, hey. Really great movie, you guys. Turns out that the first Iron Man is really, really fun. Um, I, th I think coming back to it now, the things that stand out really are the, the the way that the first act is structured is absolutely sublime. The the pacing of that first act to kind of give the establishing shot in the Middle East and then go back to a little bit of a taste of the dickhead playboy Tony Stark and and then follow the story through from there is great all of the pepper tony interplay is really good um the, the, for me the thing that that holds iron man back from being like up there with the really top um movies in the mcu is the third act fight which is just a bit crap like iron man fighting a bigger iron man I, not for me um but so much in there otherwise to enjoy um and yeah if you follow along on my twitter you'll see that i've pulled out lots of gifts and lots of little things um and yeah the fact that the movie ends on um the i am iron man scene i post on twitter just then that i think it's the for me it's the thing that more than the post credit sequence which we haven't got to yet because i'm recording this as the credits roll in the background um but it's the it that's the scene that for me sets up everything that the MCU is and does as you go forward beyond this point because it takes these superheroes out of the shadows and it takes the Marvel superheroes and kind of says well no secret identities like most of the heroes you've seen on the big screen before you know even like the X-Men are kind of superheroes who have to be in hiding this is a like one of the most famous men in the world saying, yeah, no, I'm a superhero. And there really aren't that many heroes in the MCU who who do have superhero identities. And even Spider-Man, who has one of the most, you know, famous secret identities, um, the end of that movie ends with him uh, revealing it to one of his, uh, you know, the key people in his life. Now, I imagine Spider-Man won't be out in the open like all of the rest of them, uh, probably because he's a bit younger. But... You know, that's that's something that has been a, a staple of the MCU. Everyone knows who these people are. And they, you know, some of them are gods, some of them are celebrities. Um, but yeah, this really sets the table. So yeah, Iron Man, a really great start. I'll be back with my reactions to Incredible Hulk um, a couple of hours from now. But it's all going fantastically so far. I can only imagine that this is the this is the uh, upbeat tone I'll have throughout the entirety of this marathon. Okay, so that is The Incredible Hulk over and done with. We are two movies down, and it wasn't that painful. It's nice that one of the worst MCU movies comes very early on in the... Uh, in the marathon, uh, and that I don't have to suffer through that, you know, in the early hours of the morning. But yeah, like I say, it's not that bad. There's some stuff in the in the middle act that's okay. It's just a little bit self-serious, and 
the villain is bad and it doesn't look great. But it's, it's, it's competently made. It's not like an absolute honker or anything like that. So um, I kind of, you know, I kind of didn't mind watching it too much. Uh, on the villain, um, the abomination is, I think, the thing to take away from this movie. <laughs> you can never quite shake from your mind because that has to be one of the ugliest villains that has ever been created. One of the ugliest CG creations ever created for the movies. Um, bless Tim Roth and Ed Norton, who just have to be taken off screen to be replaced with these CG monstrosities that look nothing like them and sound nothing like them, but yet were supposed to invest when they fight in the third act. Um, Marvel movies had some real problems with their third acts early on. Adder, um, and even Captain America has that to an extent with the Red Skull, just all Thor and Loki that you get to move away from that and obviously they stick with that in the Avengers. Um, I'm feeling fresh. I could probably do with like moving a little bit, uh, which is worrying that after um, the return of Tony Stark and Iron Man 2, um, movie is anywhere near as bad as the kind of the cognoscenti, the superhero cognoscenti seems to think that it is. I um, I'm... <laughs> I don't think it is as weighed down by all of the uh, all of the Avengers setup stuff that people says it is, say that it is. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe I will feel differently about that on this rewatch. Um, yeah, and at this point in the marathon, we've just we've just passed uh, one and a half thousand in total donations, which is absolutely fantastic. So I am pumped and ready to go. So let's bring on some more Iron Man. Right, as you can probably hear from the ACDC in the background, we have completed Iron Man 2. Um, Two-thirds of the way through Iron Man already. <sighs> what a shame. Um, Iron Man 2 is, as I suspected, better than a lot of people think. It is too baggy in the middle, um, but there's still a lot to like. Uh, because, you know, for all the like structural plot issues, uh, not having a very good villain of it all... This is still a movie where Tony Stark plays Iron Man, and you've got stuff like Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer in the background. You've got your uh, Gary Shandling cameo at the start and at the end, which is fantastic. Uh, you've got the upgrade of War Machine with Don Cheadle. Um, and I, I just find it such an easy watch. It's a little bit too long. Like, I, I think you could probably cut 10-15 minutes of it from the middle, and it would make a lot of sense. Um... But yeah, I, I I I can't help but enjoy this movie. Um, it's it, it's interesting that with Justin Hammer and Whiplash being the main two villains, that your actual villain of the movie ends up being the blood poisoning that Tony's suffering from, because that's the only thing in the movie that it really ever feels like is a threat to him. Like, Hammer is intentionally crap. Whiplash. So you go from in the first movie. What if Tony Stark, what if Iron Man, but bigger? And in this movie, you go, if, what if Iron Man, but more of them? And you create all the drones. It doesn't work. Whereas the, the stuff with Tony and the Palladium poisoning, you're like, perspective to um, examine his legacy and in turn to look back stuff because Tony Stark's an interesting character and he's interesting as well when he is, which is what happens in Iron Man 3 as well. Um, and in Age of Ultron, to an extent, in the movie, um, Scarlett Hansen gets introduced as Black Widow. She's really bad at the start when she's being undercover when she's undercover as Natalie Rushman. Um, 
she's there to basically be ogled at by Tony and by Happy. Um, like it's like it's like Shield are trying to push him in that direction to show kicking ass as Black Widow at the end. That's great. Um, in terms of my marathon, I just had some lunch. That was good. Warmed up some leftovers so I didn't have to cook because at the moment my but yeah, three films down, fifteen to go, and I'm feared for a couple of hours. It's gonna be it's gonna be about four or five hours until we see Iron Man again, but then we're gonna get a. Bu right, we have completed Thor. Although uh, this part of the marathon was not without its frustrations. Um, if anyone is following along on Twitter, um, they will know already that uh, my account has been locked <laughs> due to unusual activity, um, which is me live tweeting a charity event. So thanks Twitter. Um, I've set up a kind of burner Twitter account to tweet along at. So if you haven't already spotted that, um, I'm now at MCU Charity Thon. Um, and I'm still using the hashtag MCU Charity Marathon. Um, so you can you can still follow along on Twitter. I am still there. It has just made the process um, a lot more difficult. But hey ho. Um, so we've just finished Thor, uh, which um, yeah is kind of like your your middle of the road Marvel movie. It does a, a real good job, kind of introducing a lot of these characters who've gone on to be well I say a lot of them a lot of them who have gone on to be killed or pushed aside by its uh, lead character in Loki um as well um world it feels like a palace at the end of a bridge um earth similarly it feels a little side of it what you actually get is like a a, <laughs> a really hilarious um but I do love the fish, the fish out of water comedy. With some of them have been written out since, but um, um, I like Selvig. I love the scene where uh, Selvig and Thor go to the bar. So maybe she will get brought back at some point. Um, yeah. So I think Branner is the best and worst thing that happens to it as a director because he kind of falls short in others. But. It's um it's nice that it comes along at this America when we knew the Avengers was definitely coming next. Um although it doesn't really feel like it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe until Captain America turns up. Think of the MCU now and it kind of is. It's Iron Man and it's Captain America, and then any movies in the MCU. Definitely top three is Captain America the first Avenger, and that's coming up next. I've no idea uh, whether it will do, but at least I'm able to continue follow along with that. Um Let's go back to the 40s and see Captain America. Right, okay. Captain America the First Avenger has just finished. Uh, so how many is that now? Is that five? Five movies in. Uh, we're nearly at the end of phase one. Uh, the next thing on the agenda is the one shot. A funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. And we'll also have the post credit scene at the end of uh, Captain America as well. Which I think is that just the... That's just the trailery bit of the Avengers, isn't it? Um... And yeah, and then we will, we will be on to the Avengers uh, in earnest, which, uh, you know, is going to make all this worthwhile. Having said that, I have just watched one of my top three favourite MCU movies. I'm I Just every time I watch it, I think I like it more. There's a, There is very little I don't like about it, other than the fact that I think the Bucky death... The, neither the movie nor the performance has done enough to make you invest in to emotionally invest to the extent that Captain America does and then the movie has to move on past it so fast to get to all the Red Skull third act 
bits and pieces that I don't think it has the impact that you want it to for the Winter Soldier either because that's really the only reason it's there is to set up the Winter Soldier. Having said that, talk about all of the good things about the movie. Chris Evans is perfect. He's great as Skinny Steve. He's great in the transformation scene. It has the best moment in the MCU where Hayley Atwell reaches out to touch um, Chris Evans' uh, pecs. It's um, the supporting cast: Stanley Tucci, Tommy Lee Jones, all of the Howling Commandos, uh, Dominic Cooper. Like it, it, it just the list goes on and on in this film. They're all so good. Like I didn't get a chance to tweet about Toby Jones until about 80, 90 minutes into this film, and he is fantastic. Um, the score is amazing. Um, I think they do an amazing job making it feel like a proper a nostalgia World War Two movie. Um, all of the uh, the music, uh, yeah, the music from Star Spangled Man, and then all of those proper uh, propaganda bits in the middle, where Captain America takes his name and his iconography from the, the kind of the the war bond salesman job that he's got in the middle act is really perfectly done and you know so it establishes Captain America as an icon before he's a superhero and then he kind of raises himself to like the projection of what that can be an actual hero for his country I, I, I yeah I love this movie and the fact that very early on Captain America says out loud I just don't like bullies I don't care where they're from and that kind of underpins what drives this character through all of the MCU, and it does feel like we're fully going now with the MCU because we've got Tony, we've got Steve, um, and we're about to see those two characters come together with all of the other good ones as well um, in in the Avengers. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, um, and also I got back on my Twitter. God, it happened quite early in this movie. Um, Twitter emailed me and apologised. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm back. Uh, fully in action and at this point in the marathon we're up to 1629 pounds in donations which is absolutely incredible um it's nearly tea time it's quarter past five uh but yeah we're gonna watch the one shot and then the avengers and then we'll be uh, and then there's one more one shot there's item 47 before we get to phase two <sighs> still not tired though that's good I'm, I'm sure that won't last for much longer right let's go do the avengers Right, I've just finished The Avengers. Well, I say finished. Uh, the end credits are on right now and uh, a big purple fun with a face is about to turn up. So um, I'll keep I'll keep you updated when that happens. Um, but what a great movie. Like, I, I this is this is the best movie. It's the best. It's the best MCU movie. It's my favorite superhero movie. Um, I love it. There's a few that come close, but yeah. It just really, really incredible. Like the, the, I'm live tweeting all of these like moments, little gifts on Twitter, and I just couldn't keep up with this. Especially once you get to the Battle of New York at the end, there is just so much going on, and character moments here, little jokes there. Oh, hang on, you guys. Right, Thanos is here. I'll just uh, I'll let you experience this with me. So we're we're looking across space, and there is. There's, there's a Chitauri who is not really happy about what's going on here. Big floating rock in space. Looks like there's a throne of some kind. I can't tell you how excited I was when I saw this in the cinemas for the first time. Oh! He's about to turn around. 
I ran home from seeing this in the cinemas and like googled Thanos and I was like, who is this guy? What's going on? This is incredible. Who is like? I was just buzzing from this movie when I first went to cinemas. There he is. He turns around there with his shining blue eyes and his evil grin and his gold helmet. And honestly, I don't think he's ever looked as cool as that since. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly not from what we've seen from um, for Infinity War. But yeah. Uh, okay, so that was Thanos. So yeah, going back to the movie, so many great moments. Um, the Battle of New York is... Uh, there isn't a superhero third act. There, I can't think of an action an action movie third act that is that good. It is just a non-stop, moment to moment, like an incredibly coherent action sequence where all of the characters get evil, even weight. You know exactly where everyone is in relation to each other. Um, and this comes at the end of a movie where you've had this seemingly impossible task, at least at the time it seemed impossible, to balance all of these characters who are leading players in their own movies and bring them together and have something coherent. And Joss Whedon manages to do that. He pitches a story that feels like it is relevant to all of them. And basically, for most of the film, goes, well, what, can, can we make it so the Avengers are their own, are their own villain? Loki is ostensibly there, pulling all the strings, but the film basically gets by on pushing all of the pressure points of your various characters and seeing how they react to each other. But then you also get to like revel in the just pure superhero joy of any time shit, shit does hit the fan, they immediately forget their differences and start fighting to save the world. Um, I really love this movie, and um, I had an absolute blast watching it. Uh, we've also gone over the 12-hour mark in this marathon, um, so that's not quite a third of the way yet. Um, I figured out that 24 hours uh, from now I'll be watching Thor Ragnarok, so uh, yeah. Still a long way to go, but I'm still feeling good. It hasn't quite got to, to tiring time yet. Uh, I've just had my tea. Uh, my wife got to me some chicken and halloumi wraps. They were delightful, so you know, if anyone's keeping tabs on my like kind of my my well-being as i go through this i'm you know i'm i'm staying well fed watered i'm hydrated i'm feeling good i'm raring to go for phase two of the mcu the only thing that's left before that is the one shot item 47 which i'm going to watch um a second from now so uh stay tuned and then we'll move on to iron man 3 you might be able to hear in the background that we are right at the end of iron man 3 can you dig it is still playing ah what a you you can't end Iron Man three and not feel like peppy and upbeat and ready for life because can you dig it is just such a wonderful piece of music and um, I've been clicking and dancing along on the sofa as it's been playing I'll just watch it now um, it's great and again I think we we've got to the end of a real purple patch in the MCU for me going Captain America the first Avenger then the Avengers then Iron Man three is just a wonderful stretch um, and it's, it's probably going to be my favourite stretch of all of this because I'm going to be too tired to enjoy the other good films when we get to them um, tomorrow and the next one is not great. We've got Thor The Dark World next which I had to listen to, I had to watch for the podcast like a month ago so no one should have to watch Thor The Dark World twice in that short succession but that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, but Iron Man 3... Um, yeah, it, it's fantastic. I think the thing that holds it back is the 
Maya Hansen stuff. We know since the movie has come out that she was originally planned to be a villain, or the villain, perhaps, um, and it kind of got knocked back because of studio edicts. Um, and instead we get Aldrich Killian as the main villain, who is like the least interesting, the least exciting villain that shows up in this movie, because you've got James Badge... James Badgedale as a henchman in this, who's great. As I said, Rebecca Hall, who's interesting in her few scenes. Um, and also, the Mandarin, when he's in Mandarin, Mandarin mode, and when he's in Trevor Slattery mode. Um, you can't talk about Iron Man 3 without talking about that reveal. It's wonderful. I love it. I understand there are people who, are, who don't, but they are wrong. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing for what it does in the film in terms of just kind of knocking you off your feet about 80 minutes in and just going, wow, this movie's not what I thought it was. Um, but also, you know, just dodging those like really unpleasant stereotypes that come with the Mandarin. Um, aside from that, I've just been tweeting pretty much the whole way through the film how interesting I think the film's exploration of Iron Man, of Tony Stark's identity is. Because you come out of you come out of the Avengers with that line from Captain America, which is "Take away the suit, and what are you?" And you know Tony Stark's response is "Genius Playboy, uh, genius billionaire Playboy philanthropist." I'm getting tired. Um, but at the end of that film, he goes through that hugely traumatic event, and it kind of changes his entire view of the world. And you see at the start of this movie that this is a guy who's going, "Yeah, take away the suit." what am I? And Shane Black does some really interesting stuff with kind of like the dual identity of Tony and Iron Man, like Tony literally kind of becoming one with the suit, but at the same time the suit kind of becoming like this Frankenstein's monster attacking Pepper in bed, and Tony kind of living one life whilst living vicariously through the suit. It, there's there's loads of really smart imagery, and I think for me what this film is about is Tony starting the movie and going where is the line between Iron Man and Tony Stark and then in the middle act of the movie you take the suit away and Tony is like forced to answer the question of what is he without the suit and you get to the end of the movie and you find out well he is Tony Stark and he is Iron Man and he's come to embrace the fact that it's not the suit that makes him a hero it's a combination of the two and the suit is part of him in in a, in a great way and then you do all of that whilst Tony is dealing with the actual like PTSD coming out of the Avengers and um, and uh, yeah I, I think I think it's great I tweeted a lot about this movie um, and I can probably uh, slow down a little bit for the next couple of hours with Thor the Dark World um, before that though I've got another short movie I'm just looking at my schedule because I think it is yeah it is it is one shot Agent Carter, so I get a bit more Peggy in my life before um, before moving on to Thor: The Dark World. So I shall cherish those short minutes, and then uh, yeah, take a trip back to Asgard. <sighs> Thor: The Dark World has just ended. It is quarter past midnight, and I am for the first time starting to feel a little bit sleepy. This is my bedtime. Um, this marathon will go on for roughly another 24 hours slightly longer than 24 hours so uh yeah it's gonna be an interesting 24 hours um but yeah thor the dark world it's one of my least favorite mcu movies i can't 
pretend to get too excited about anything in it. I kind of struggled to tweet as we were going. Um, Not helped by the fact that we covered it on the podcast last month. But, yeah, it's just... The thing is, when I first saw it, when I first went to... I went to a press screening to watch this. um, And I came out of it going... That was great, really fun. Like, it, it wasn't like Avengers level or anything, but I, you know, lots of lots of jokes here and there. I kind of enjoyed this and I enjoyed that. Um, and I think on rewatch, a, a lot of those joys are gone. And I think when I'm having fun with a Marvel movie, when the gags come along, I will still giggle at them, even though I know they're coming because. Um, I've seen them before. Oh, uh, it's the... Po- Ooh, guys, one of the more interesting aspects of this movie. The mid credit scene on this movie is um, Sif and... Uh, is it Volstag? Yeah, going to... Uh, going to give the ether to the Collector, which was our first glimpse at Guardians of the Galaxy, which I argued on the podcast last year. It was like one of the most... Um, intriguing one of, one of the best mid or post credit sequences in terms of like selling what was coming next because it just presents this completely new thing that we know we're going, we're going to be seeing more of in Guardians of the Galaxy and it's like oh wow Guardians is going to be nothing like what we've seen before because um, Benicio Del Toro looks batshit crazy in this. So yeah, I do quite like this this mid-credit scene. The end credit scene should be part of the movie, and um, it's bizarre that I'm having to wait all the way through the credits to have to watch that, because, yeah, it should be at the end of the film. Um, but yeah, what was I saying? I, yeah, I like, I, I, I like the Marvel jokes when I'm enjoying the movie. This one, for whatever reason, I kind of stuff that I found funny on the first watch kind of falls flat for me on rewatch. I don't love the Captain America bit anymore and um I like the the jokes I think are too fleeting. The gags are like it's not like funny scenes, it's funny moments. So on on rewatch they don't really they just don't really stay with me. Um I like Loki in the movie. I think Loki's always good value and um him in jail is especially good. But yeah. That's that's about as much as I can say in the in the positives of Thor: The Dark World. Um, after this, though, we've got the one shot "All Hail the King." I should mention the Agent Carter one shot is absolutely brilliant. Um, it's like a pilot for the TV series, and kind of boils down a lot of what, what that show was doing into fifteen minutes. It's really great, um, and I, yeah, I watched that just before Thor the Dark World. The next one is All Hail the King, which I, has been a long time since I watched, so that's going to be a delight. And then it is going to be on to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, to get me through the early hours. And uh, thank goodness we've got something good coming up to keep me awake. It is 2.45am, I'm actually slightly ahead of schedule. Um, Captain America the, the Winter Soldier has just finished, uh, which is the third film in Phase 2, so ninth film overall, so I think I'm halfway. I'm halfway in terms of movies anyway, I'm not sure on timings, I've, got, I've completely lost track. I think I'm about 20 hours in, so yeah, probably at about the halfway stage. Um, I'm pretty tired, but not at like falling, wanting to fall asleep stage just yet, not desperately anyway. Um, so 
I'm hanging in there. Um, and we just had a really good film. Um, Cats from America, the Winter Soldier. I'm going to be in the minority here and like it's not my favourite Captain America film because my favourite is the first Avenger. And it's not my favourite Phase 2 movie either. Um, I, pref I prefer Iron Man 3. Um, but it is really great. Oh, it's becoming tradition now. The post credit sequence is coming up in the background. This is the one with Baron Von Strucker that teases Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, Rage of Ultron, uh, which is two movies in the future. Um, yeah, so I think... I think the reason that I really like this movie uh, is mostly the kind of the... the way that you take Captain America, who is a hero from the... Second World War, who sees good and evil in black and white, because that is the world where he came from. Hydra and the Nazis were evil, and he turns up in our world, and in the Avengers, you see him going into S.H.I.E.L.D. and kind of working with the Avengers, and and being in this position where the world is a bit murkier, um, and even S.H.I.E.L.D., who he's working with, seem to be looking into technology that... It isn't great. They want to create some weapons of mass destruction. Now they say it's for good means, but um, who knows what they want to use it for? And so Cap in this movie is still working for Shield, um, and this really is throwing him into those murky waters of, you know, like the the modern warfare. Who who is who, who's good? Who's bad? Who's right? Who's wrong? And what you ultimately learn throughout the movie is that the side that he thought were the good guys actually had the bad guys embedded in all along um, and so I think it's I think it tracks for the character really well in that way um, it, the thing that I think acts against the movie is it kind of has three big like cards to play in terms of its conspiracy plot um, the first one is that Alexander Pierce is actually a bad guy and it kind of like shows its hands pretty early on with that the second is that Bucky is the Winter Soldier, and now, like, if, if you know anything about comics or you follow these movies closely at all, that's not hard to figure out. So it's strange that the movie doesn't, like, they kind of choose to reveal it to you, the audience, at the same time that Captain America finds out, which is really late on. Um, but the third part is the one that, that really hits home, and that's that Hydra is within S.H.I.E.L.D., and that is just an amazing reveal. It's done in such a silly comic book way with the Toby Jones computer character, um, but it's great. Um, the action, which I've given the Russos a bit of stick for their work on Civil War before, uh, we'll see how that holds up when I get back to it, but I think the hand-to-hand -hand combat here is great. Um, I love the stuff with Cats America and uh, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch and Black Widow on the run. Um, and yeah, so that, uh, basically, I think I just, I, I like this movie a lot. Bucky's never going to work for me, I don't think. Even in like a limited role here where he has very little to say or do, I just don't buy into the performance. And I think that it's testament to Chris Evans that he makes me care to any extent about that relationship because two movies in with that with the Bucky character I just don't feel it at all from Sebastian Stan um, so yeah that's probably why it's up there for me as one of the better Marvel movies but not quite amongst my very favourites but it is it's, it's very it's still very high up in the list it's a great movie um, and yeah had a lot of fun with it Guardians of the Galaxy next um, let's hope I don't fall asleep hey guys I could do with a second wind 
right about now. Oh, I'm struggling. Uh, it's 5am, 22 hours in. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy has just finished. Um, and yeah, I'm flagging. I'm really flagging. But I'm hoping that that second wind is just around the corner. Um, it occurred to me during watching Guardians of the Galaxy that I've probably re-watched that more than... More than most of the other movies in Phase 2. Certainly more than Age of Ultron, which I don't think I've seen more than twice. Which, like, for the... Considering the amount that I watch these kind of movies, isn't very much. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy, I must have watched a handful of times. Uh, the same for Iron Man 3. Um, and probably Wind Soldier as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is a film that I really... I am quite familiar with. Um, I think it's easy to take for granted some of the stuff that it does really well in retrospect. Um, but when you watch all these Marvel movies in a row, the thing that stands out for me here is quite how different this is from everything else. This is the first time it feels like Marvel has given you something utterly different to everything you've seen before. Um, Thor had the opportunity to do that, but doesn't really pull it off um this feels like the, the you know the 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 worlds that you're seeing are different there are different types of characters um you're opening up this completely different visual palette for the marvel cinematic universe um the use of music isn't something we've seen there before um and it and it pulls it off like it's it's all really really good the character interplay is great. The way the characters are built, the way their the way their arcs are constructed, um, both individually and as a group, um, I, I think it's done really well. And um, I, I think I said this kind of like the biggest compliment I can pay this movie, but the biggest criticism I can pay pay Guardians of the Galaxy two is that I get to the end of this movie and think, right, so after this film, which was mostly Peter Quill's story, I could go off and see a movie that, like, focused on any one of the other main Guardians, on Drax, on Gamora, on Rocket, um, maybe less Groot, considering he's been destroyed, but, you know, like, they all seem like they've got, they're all people who have trauma in their past, um, and that's what's brought them together, and they all lack a family, and they've been able to construct one here. Um, I think it's a shame that you go back to the Quill well in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and go back to Peter and his daddy issues, when we've already seen his mummy issues in this movie, and those are far more interesting. So, that's my slight criticism. Having said that, I think the Peter Quill arc in this movie is fantastic. Um, he starts off, we see him as a kid, so we know he's an inherently good guy, but when we first meet him in space, he's an asshole, um, and he says it late in the movie, he's like, he's like, I'm not an asshole, I might be a bit of a dick, but I'm not an asshole, and <laughs> that is growth in this movie. That I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That is growth and that is a character arc and that's progression that Peter Quill is kind of, has kind of led a, led a life that's gone astray. And it's finding these people and it's finding this purpose that is nudging him back onto the right path. He's still a bit of a dick. But ultimately, he means well, and and that's good enough in this movie. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy as much as I could do for a film that is finishing at 5am in the morning. Um, we're going on to Avengers Age of Ultron now, uh, so wish me luck. Hopefully I'm still awake um, after the 141 minutes that this movie goes on for. <sighs> Here we go. The Age of Ultron end credits music is playing in the background. I have finished Age of Ultron, which means there's only one movie left in Phase 2, and that's Ant-Man. Um, I feel like I almost fell asleep two-thirds of the way through this movie, but I battled through, I powered through, I uh, kind of gave myself the goal of, just remember there's that amazing scene where Vision and Ultron chat about the fate of humanity at the end of the movie. That's the thing you need to get through for. Um, and I did, and it was great. It's the best thing in Avengers Age of Ultron, by some margin. Um, it's not a lick on the first Avengers movie. It's not a bad movie. Um, I just think that Joss Whedon is... <sighs> he strives to achieve more than he's ultimately capable of. Like, it... it, it his ambition exceeds his reach in the end. Um, and it ends up being a, a fine, if a little bit chaotic and muddled movie. Oh, speaking of chaotic and muddled, here's the end credits or mid credit scene where Thanos turns up to collect the gauntlet from a cupboard somewhere. Now he's going to do it himself. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I will say the one thing that I really, really like about Age of Ultron is the redemption of Hawkeye. Finally, Hawkeye gets some time to shine and the um, banter that Joss Whedon builds up between Hawkeye and Quicksilver is really nice. It starts from literally like the first scene um, and it's there right until the end. Um, also, getting to see a bit more of what motivates Hawkeye, going back to see him on the farm, meeting his wife, played by Linda Cardellini, um, who speaks the line, uh, you know, I'm totally supportive of your avenging, uh, which is delightful. Um, I think ultimately, though, where this film falls down for me slightly is it is Ultron. And I said this on Twitter, I think Ultron is a better villain than, say, Ronan or Killian, um, who we've seen in, in two films that I've, you know, watched in the last few hours. But those films don't feel like they are, like, rooted in their villain in terms of their success or failure. They feel like movies that have other stuff going on and a villain who happens to be there. So, like, Tony Stark's inner journey is the most important thing in Iron Man 3, and the team-family dynamic is the most important thing in Guardians of the Galaxy. But kind of like the fate of humanity, the, the that feels like it is the driving force of Age of Ultron. And Ultron's philosophy that to bring about peace, the only way to do that is to remove humans entirely from Earth. 
um, that feels central to everything that's going on, and it doesn't quite feel. I, it lacks a nuance. It, it's it's kind of like Ultron turns up and he says he just wants to wipe out the Avengers, and then it turns out he wants to wipe out all of humanity. It just lacks something. But this is a Joss Whedon film. There's loads of good moments. Um, Thor is utterly wasted in terms of any kind of plot. He has that terrible subplot where he goes off to look for the Infinity Stones. But yet you've got the running gag with Mjolnir, which is really great. Um, Vision's fantastic when he turns up. I don't. I think this is the film that so far has used Vision the best. Um, yeah, and you end up with the new team at the end of Vision, Scarlet Witch, War Machine, Falcon, uh, led by Black Widow and Captain America, as all of your kind of traditional Avengers uh, scramble. So. Personally, I'm feeling a lot better now than I did about half an hour, an hour ago. I'm hoping that I've, you know, powered through the the darkest moments. Sunlight outside, people are waking up. I feel reinvigorated. Uh, so let's move on and um, let's meet Paul Rudd and have some Ant-Man comedy caper hijinks. It is 9.15 and Ant-Man has just finished. Um, Ant-Man's an odd one in the MCU. It kind of starts slow, the characters don't establish that well, like, Scott's got a very vague backstory in terms of the crime he committed, Paul Rudd's not really funny early on, um, Evangeline Lilly just has to stand there and look disapproving, um, Hank doesn't really become interesting until he opens up to Hope halfway through the movie, um, and it's it's not that fun, not that dynamic until until Scott gets the suit for the first time, and then it kind of like catalyzes. Like the fur, the further you get through the film, the stronger it gets. Um, and yeah, to the point like that, it's a rare thing for the MCU. But the third act is probably the best action sequence. Um, Paul Rudd is knocking it out of the park by the end of the movie. Um, oh, we're at the post-credit scene now, where uh, Evangeline Lilly's finally going to get her suit, which is probably something to mention. Um, this film does its female characters wrong. Um, Judy Greer basically gets ignored. Um, Evangeline Lilly should be wearing a suit, but isn't. Um, this should have just been Ant Man and the Wasp. Obviously, we don't see Janet Van Dyne, and it's it's just not a great look. But it's something that you kind of get a sense that the film is aware of, that the film has gone through various last-minute rewrites, what with the exiting of Edgar Wright, and we've now got a sequel that has a female villain, has the Wasp in the title, and has Michelle Pfeiffer joining as Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp. So, hopefully that is going to be corrected next time round. Um, yeah, but so I guess that this is... It's a fun film. It really grows on you as you're going through. The, the third act's good. Uh, the microverse stuff adds solid stakes. Um, and there's some really amazing, like, punch the air moments, like the tank being the keychain being an actual tank, or um, the Thomas the Tank Engine. Lots of tank stuff, basically. Thomas the Tank Engine, there are two great moments. There's Anthony. It's just. I think it's better than it has any right to be, given the character and given the production um, history of it. Um, but I've got to be honest, like in in the middle of this movie, it's like it's jaunty and it's a fun watch, but it's not that deep. Like it's got some very surface level thematic concerns, but it's not that deep beyond that. And I kept my mind kept wandering back to Age of Ultron. I was thinking about other things from that movie, and I think 
it would have been a, a bit better if I was a bit more ideal. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it would have been ideal if I was a bit more alert for that movie because that was probably the sleepiest I've been for a film. I was awake for all of it, but it, I just kind of like certain things didn't sink in. I could completely forgotten about the whole Iron Legion stuff at the start, and that really does. Uh, I was sat there at Joan Ant, my guy, and that really does become quite a like an important thematic running point that Tony kind of wants to shut down the Avengers, he wants there to not be a need for them anymore, and I wasn't thinking about that at all when I was watching the movie so maybe I did Age of Ultron a slight disservice um, yeah, and then I was also remembering some other things that happened during the night, uh, during the, the kind of the wee hours, I completely forgot that I randomly got retweeted by Judd Apatow in the middle of the night um, who retweeted one of my Gary Shandling tweets um which I don't think it garnered me any more donations, but it was a fun, quirky little thing to happen in the middle of the night. Um, but anyway, Ant-Man brings us to the end of Phase 2. Uh, so we are uh, forging ahead now into Phase 3, and it is Captain America Civil War. Um, we are, what, 26, 26 and a bit hours in at this point, and we have six movies to go. Two thirds of the way there. Let's go. Let's go enjoy a little Civil War. Right, Captain America Civil War has just finished. Um, I said on Twitter that while I really like this movie, it might be my least favourite movie with Captain America in it. Which is crazy because this is really good. Um, Zemo in his final scene kind of emerges as one of the very best MCU villains because he's just a he's just a regular guy who got angry and decided to see what he could do and he's incredibly successful at what he sets out to do because the Avengers are shattered by the end of the movie um, some of them are physically broken some of them are fugitives from the law um, the friendships are shattered um, he, he like he achieves his goal um, and I think I think one of, one of my frustrations with this movie at the time was that it was the third Captain America movie, and it's not a Captain America movie. It's a it's an Avengers movie, but it's an Avengers movie where Cap and Tony are the protagonists uh, more than the others, and those two do really get kind of like a really fair shake throughout the movie. And I think what again what I've said on Twitter is I think you come out of the movie going half of them are right. Well, they're, they're both right about certain things, and they're both wrong about certain things. The post-credit sequence with Bucky and Wakanda has just started. <sighs> we can, I think we've had enough post-credit sequences with Bucky at this point. Um, yeah, I think they're both right about the Accords to an extent. It's both shaped by their worldview. I think Tony Stark is seeing a world where he, he messed up and something really bad happened. And then even when he wasn't there, Steve and his team messed up and something really bad happened. So they need accountability. But from Captain America's point of view, he was intimately involved with S.H.I.E.L.D., who turned out to be HYDRA. And he he like he now wants to be governed by doing the right thing. He doesn't want to be governed by institutions and by rules and by signing a piece of paper. So they're both kind of justified there. But then when you get to the Bucky side of things, which is really what the movie becomes, a, it's really what it's about in the second half, because Zemo has been using Bucky to pull their strings all the way through. The Accords are kind of just a by-the-by, a table-setting conflict. Um, and I think they, they end up both being wrong about Bucky. Like, Cap shouldn't just throw 
all procedure and all fair process aside because Bucky's his friend and Tony shouldn't go after Bucky and try and kill him because of personal reasons. Um, but those personal reasons, I mean, it's it's incredibly powerful in that final fight. I think it's I think it's really strong. Um, I think what's less strong is the Russo's direction in this movie. I, the the action sequences, the chase at the start is okay. Um, the first action scene is is okay, um, but the airport scene for me just doesn't work. You you very rarely see more than one plane of action. It is kind of these two people fight and then we cut to another shot and there are two people fighting somewhere else and then we cut to another shot and there are two people fighting somewhere else and it's very rare that more than two characters are interacting with each other at the same time and it's happening at an airport that is very concrete and grey and the final fight scene while really well choreographed is taking place in an air it's in a, like an abandoned bunker which is concrete and grey it's not the prettiest movie to look at um, but I, I think it's effective. I think it's enjoyable. I just tend to like all of the Cats America movies. It, it might not be my least favourite. Might, my least favourite might be Age of Ultron. But that's a movie that I, I've kind of like reassessed to an extent uh, on this rewatch. Um, but I am now 29 hours nearly into my marathon and so I could just be going insane and all of this could be nonsense um, I'm going to be moving on to Doctor Strange next we are 13 out of out of 18 movies down uh, we're in the final stretch but uh, Doctor Strange is the only movie from here on in that comes in under 130 minutes so it's it's um, it's not going to be an e easy final stretch but lots of good movies in there so let's move on now and do some Doctor Strange Doctor Strange is finished I'm really flagging you guys <laughs> it's really it's really taking its toll now um, there are four movies left um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok and then Black Panther in the cinemas um, I think I might be existing purely on the astral plane at this point, I'm not quite with it but hey, Doctor Strange, good movie um, I'm going to talk mostly about the um, final sequences which are um, amazing and kind of make me respect everything that came before even more. Um, the last 20 minutes kind of rivals anything in the MCU. The the kind of clockworky action is great throughout, but then when you're actually winding forward and backwards through time on the street in Hong Kong um, at the end, and kind of people are getting trapped in walls and all that kind of stuff, it's really visually interesting. The sequences. Um, you know, it's really clear to follow despite all the confusing stuff that's going on. That's great. But then when Strange goes to the other realm and uh, visits Dormammu for his bargain, that is sublime. Well, we've got a mid credit sequence here in Doctor Strange. It's just coming in the background. Doctor Strange is having a little chat with Thor. We'll be seeing that again slightly different uh, in a couple of hours. Um... Yeah, so I, lo I, I, I love the Dormammu stuff. It's so clever. It's it's everything that the film has been building towards. The film the film thematically is obsessed with time. Time is a thing that runs all the way through it. And that comes back in spades at the end. Um, it, it's all of the Ancient One's lessons that it's not about you. That's what we see. We see him making the ultimate hero play. It's not that he's just willing to put his life on the line. He's willing to die 
again and again and again and again to make sure that the rest of the, the earth doesn't die. Um, and then it's about kind of what the ancient, ancient one said about sometimes you've got to break the rules in order to serve the greater good. And he is breaking the rules and it causes him and Mordo to split at the end. Um, and Mordo's another character I love because he's a religious zealot and I, you know, I really badly want to see a sequel where that angle is explored in a in a superhero universe and she would tell that she would playing the character as well. That would be um, incredible. So yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Doctor Strange. Despite kind of being lukewarm on Cumberbatch, the first 20 minutes, all of the um, hospital stuff is hit and miss. The comedy's hit and miss. But I just think it's so thematically strong. It's so visually interesting in all of its action sequences that I forgive it those kind of like minor quibbles that uh, some of which I'd kind of expect from an origin story anyway. Uh, so yeah, that was Doctor Strange. Um, I'm going to crack on with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 now. Right, I'm going to start recording during the Guardians of the Galaxy end credits here because I think there's about six or seven of them. And from what I remember, they weren't fantastic. So I'm just going to I'm just gonna get going. Uh, Kraglin's playing with Yondu's arrow at the moment. Um, I think I've reached my lowest ebb of tiredness. If it gets worse than this, I'm, I'm going to struggle. Um, but <laughs> yeah, three films left. Spider-Man, Thor Ragnarok, then Black Panther in cinemas. Um... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is... I, it's okay. It's too long. Um, it gives too much focus to the Peter's dad storyline. But the the Yondu side of it works, but the ego stuff doesn't really. And there's basically a 10 minute sequence in the middle of the film where lots of characters in all of their various subplots just decide to say out loud everything that has been remained unsaid so far so Nebula and Gamora have a good shout at each other and tell them what they, tell each other what they're really thinking um, Yondu shouts at Rocket and says here are all these things I'm feeling and you're feeling them as well because we're the same and then Ego has been keeping his stuff to himself, that his secret plan to himself and then he just says it out loud to Peter, he's like by the way killed your mum so some of that stuff is a bit silly. I'm just watching. There is the other Guardians team on uh, on screen now. They look cool. I'd watch them in a movie, even Stallone. Um, yeah. So like that stuff doesn't work. But there's still when you get towards the end, there's still loads of lovely moments. The the all of the Yondu stuff in the third act works. The only problem is that the third act is conservatively about ninety minutes long. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, like I say, I struggled a lot. We're nearing four o'clock, so nearing thirty-three hours in this marathon, and um, I'm feeling it. Uh, <laughs> we are going on to the directorless Spider-Man: Homecoming next, uh, so I will blast straight into that because honestly, I couldn't muster another thought on Guardians of the Galaxy two if I tried. Right, Spider-Man: Homecoming is just finished. We're in the credits now, um, and we're in the home straight. Thor Ragnarok is coming up next, and then driving to the cinema to see Black Panther, where I will possibly fall asleep and never wake up. Um, I'm doing alright at the moment, though, because my friend Miller is here now. Do you want to say hi, Miller? Hey, guys. Miller has turned up and has, um, and has like, perked me up. It's hard to be completely uh, asleep with someone else in the room. Um, so, yeah, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, I actually managed to stay pretty engaged with, which was something that I struggled through the middle sections of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Doctor Strange. Um, 
it's alright. Saw it last year, this year, last year, and it was alright last year, it's alright this year. It is the third best Spider-Man movie after Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2. Um, Tom Holland's really good. Uh, the some, some of the action sequences are quite good in the middle. The last one's a bit of a letdown. Uh, but Michael Keaton's a really good villain. Um, and Spider-Man, like, they pitch him really right as a friendly neighbourhood version. He feels distinct because he's a teenage kid. Um, and that opening sequence with him filming all the Civil War stuff on his uh, on his cell phone is a really smart way of uh, getting that across really quickly. Um, can, can you really back up that it's the third best Spider-Man movie? Yeah, because uh, Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man movies are both terrible. Uh, Spider-Man 3 is not good. And this is not as good as the first two Spider-Man. That's, <laughs> that's as clear as I can be. Uh, there is a the mid-credit sequence on the TV now, which is Michael Keaton in prison. But don't really care about that. Um, there's a cool bit at the end of the movie where uh, Iron Man gets engaged to Pepper Potts, which is nice, um, because those are two characters that I've been invested in over the past 38 hours. <laughs> Um, dating back to 7am yesterday so it's really nice to see those two guys finally get together um, I can't, yeah, I don't have much more to say about Spider-Man Homecoming um, it's fine, it doesn't have a director that's a shame uh, but I'll be back uh, with my reactions to Thor Ragnarok um, before we make our way to the cinema for the final stretch for Black Panther Thor Ragnarok has ended uh, nearly at the end of the marathon. One big part to go, though. Uh, Black Panther, the 18th and final movie. Um, but because that is not out on Blu-ray or DVD or download or anything yet, I have to go see it at the cinema. So, um, Miller, we're going to be driving into driving into town, getting a, getting getting our cinema on. And the unique challenge now will be trying to stay awake in a dark, silent room. Uh, and for two hours and 15 minutes as Black Panther's on. It's a good movie, so it shouldn't be too difficult, but um, I've been awake for about 37 hours, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, yeah, so we just we, we just watched Thor Ragnarok, which I enjoyed more than I did when we watched it at the cinemas uh, the first time around. Um I think knowing all of the stuff that Taika Waititi was just going to tear up and forget about, knowing the parts of the f of the film that there wasn't going to be quite as much attention or care behind, um, you c you could just like focus on the bits that are really good. And to be fair, that is most of the movie. Everything that's on Sakaar and they're on Sakaar for a long time is amazing. Uh, Korg, Meek, Thor, um, I, I, most of them, most of them. It's all really good. Bloody Grandmaster! I it's um, a very funny movie, and um, it was the, it's kind of like the perfect movie to arrive at this point in the marathon. Something that's really light and frothy and energetic, and looks really cool. And as you can hear in the background, the Mark Mothersbaugh score is um, one of the best in the MCU. I'm gonna have to do like all of my like top villains, top scores, top everything now that I've seen them all in a row. Um, so yeah, um, a thumbs up to Thor Ragnarok. It might move up my overall uh, MCU rankings after that rewatch. Um, but I'm going to have to hit the road, you guys. So I won't be live tweeting this last segment. I will record a little segment going into the cinema and I'll record my reactions coming out of the cinema. 
and I might I might do some a few tweets afterwards just to, to fill in any gaps. Unless I fall asleep and fail the entire marathon and have to return all of your charity money. I'll try not to do that. Okay, let's go see Black Panther. I did it! It's over. I won. What do I win? Oh, everyone's respect. Oh, these people doing the London Marathon today. I sat through 40 hours of Marvel movies. Um, yeah, so it's half 11 on Sunday night. I've just got back from the cinema, uh, seeing Black Panther. Um, I didn't fall asleep. There was lots of kind of head nodding and, oh God, I'm, I'm like, am I going to fall asleep? But there was one point at which I put my drink up to my mouth and then like my head jerked. So even in the process of having a drink, I was um, on, the, <laughs> on the verge of falling asleep at any point. I was actually okay for like the first hour of the movie. It was the, the last hour that was really trying. Um, but... Luckily, it's a good movie, and it's a bright movie, and so occasionally it was like bits of darkness that were lulling me into the abyss, and then uh, suddenly the Wakandan sun returned, and I was okay again. Um, it's hard to get too like super critical or go in-depth about Black Panther, because um, this is actually the third time that I've seen it in cinemas, and... Um, I've spoken a lot about it in the last couple of months and it was, there's no kind of case of reassessing Black Panther here. It's a movie that I really like. Um, I kind of found something more to like with every viewing. Obviously, it's got a great supporting cast. Um, I will say that I think every time I go back, the, the, the character that I am more and more drawn to, the character that I enjoy the most, is M'Baku. Um, <laughs> Winston Duke is delivering one hell of a performance. Um the action's not great. The final showdown's not great, and the um, I think the it, it even like the casino scene. I think sometimes is a little bit incoherent. Um, but that that's my only real major gripe of it. On first watch, I thought that uh, maybe uh, Chadwick Boseman was the what well, was the least charismatic performance that that actually Black Panther was the least interesting character in his own movie. I don't quite think that anymore. I think it's just that he has such a great supporting cast, uh, whereas he is playing quite a unique hero role, which is to be regal and um, a bit more considered and restrained than a lot of the a lot of the other heroes in the MCU. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed Black Panther. Um, I'm going to try and do a couple of like follow-up little lists and stuff tomorrow after I've had a bit of sleep, uh, but like kind of put together my top five movies, um, top five villains, scores, that kind of thing. Well, I'll try and have some fun with it as I, uh, you know, try and try and make something, um, try and pull some interesting lists out of all of the stuff that I've just seen. Um, I think also this would be a very good time just to thank everyone for the donations. Um, I, I obviously knew that donations were going well before the marathon started, um, but the way that the donations continued to come in as it was going along, the way that uh, so many of you communicated with me on Twitter and told me how much you were enjoying my tweets um, and engaging and having conversations um, about the movies that I was discussing... Um, going back through the like the the history of the hashtag and seeing all of the old tweets as well, and you know, kind of interacting with me about stuff that I'd tweeted about 
what felt like days ago, but was just like five or six films. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. And as tiring, as exhausting as this was, and as, as much of, of a broken man that I feel, um, it was also quite an enjoyable experience. It was, it got, it got tough on a couple of occasions, but then I got my second, third, fourth, and fifth wins, um, and managed to persevere through. Um, I wouldn't recommend this. It's it's not the ideal way to watch movies, and there was definitely a couple I think that that suffered because of the process. Weirdly, I had I had ups and downs. Thor Ragnarok and Spider Man Homecoming, I was in quite a good place. Um, I think Age Avengers: Age of Ultron, um, and definitely Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two suffered. Um, but early on, it was really nice to revisit um, all of those older Marvel movies that I hadn't seen for a while as well. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening along. Um, I hope you enjoyed this and hopefully that all of these, um, podcast segments stitched together will make, um, for an interesting tapestry of my crazy, crazy 40 hour movie marathon. Um, I'm going to go to bed. I'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Okay. We're back. That was, uh, that was quicker for us than it was for you listeners. <laughs> Um, guys, uh, how, what, first of all, what was your experience of my experience? Uh, I was massively well, enjoying it. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've got to say, I've got to say, right, because uh, you know we might not always be sincere on this podcast, and we generally have, uh, you know, a, a shtick of being cynical and mean to one another, especially when competing. Uh, so, like, I, I, I'd like to unironically say that I'm, I'm very impressed that you, you know, did this, planned it raised about four times as much money as you intended to and yeah. uh, actually got through the whole thing and did it especially when i saw somebody tweeting uh, a thread of, of somebody doing uh, an mcu marathon like over the course of the whole of april and i was like dude that's not impressive yeah i mean i'm, I'm glad said said that because now i can say like i just couldn't care less <laughs> um it was a it was a it was a very strange forty hours. Um, <laughs> I went to so I got I got back from uh, Black Panther, recorded that last segment that everyone has just heard. Uh, got into bed and I I think about twelve hours later I woke up and like you know you know sometimes where you just fall asleep and sleep through and you don't, there's no toss you're turning there's no my wife got up and left for work the next morning and I had no memory of it happening. Um, <laughs> And I, so I woke up after about 12 hours, was awake for an hour and then went back to sleep for two hours and then woke up for another hour and then went back to sleep for another hour because uh, I was just absolutely broken. I felt hungover. Like I, I, I've never felt hungover without drinking. Yeah. I, I mean, I know, I know you've done, and headachey and, I know you've done these marathons before, but I think the reality is you're getting a bit old for it, Joe. <laughs> Because I know, I, I, I think I speak for me and Seb when I say we could not have done anything like this. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I couldn't even do a midnight screening of of Infinity yeah. War, and if I was ever going to do one again, and I've only ever done one, which was Spider Man Two, in two thousand and four when I was like twenty one. Um, <laughs> like, if I was ever going to do one again, this would have been the film to do so, especially given the state that I spent the entirety of Thursday in. But <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> 
It's right. So, I've, so I've you're done... staying up to do that, like, and I think you were helped by, which I only realised when I was, because obviously I didn't, wasn't able to follow the tweets through the whole uh, weekend. But when I realised that the point at which everyone who was chatting with you about it on Twitter, at least in the UK, was going to disappear because everyone was going to bed. So everyone had had fun <laughs> yes. chatting yeah. along with you during things like you know the lows, like Thor two. And then it's like, oh, you're going to be alone throughout the night, but you've got Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy to see you through the small hours. Well, luckily, I did have some um, some American tweeters um, who joined in. Uh, Caroline, at one point, uh, was going back through like the th- uh, 12 hours worth of thread before that, kind of favouriting <laughs> old tweets and restarting conversations with me about movies that I'd watched eight, nine hours ago. Well, Twitter's um, In Case really You fun. Missed It meant that, like, for about three days afterwards, <laughs> I was still seeing random moments from throughout. I've got to say, it was hugely enjoyable. I had so much fun doing the tweeting, but also the amount of listeners that that were tweeting me to discuss it um, really did keep me going. Um, and... It was it was in the, in the dark moments, and there were dark moments. I would say, yeah, around late Guardians of the Galaxy, early Age of Ultron, where I was like approaching twenty four hours. That was tough. And Guardians of the Galaxy two, and this is not this is not a, a <laughs> slam on the film. Guardians of the Galaxy two, I think, was my lowest point. I was drinking a coffee during Guardians of the Galaxy two, lifted it up to my mouth, and did that thing where you know your head bobs when you're when you're like trying to. You d- you've done like an almost like a, a one second micro sleep, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, the coffee is in my mouth. My laptop is in front of me. What is happening?" <laughs> um, and and especially Guardians of the Galaxy, the way that film is structured, you think that it's about to end in twenty minutes, and it's actually got like a, a fifty minute final act. So I remember that, was... that happening in the cinema. I was like, "Yeah, oh, we're almost at the yeah, mm, still going. It's half an hour after that." That was a real stretch. Uh, yeah, uh, my my friend Andy turned up for um, the last couple of films just for for a bit of moral support, and then yeah, he and my brother in law accompanied me to Black Panther. I think half to make sure I didn't die in the cinema, <laughs> but also just to keep tabs on me and make sure that I wasn't asleep. <laughs> um, which was that was a challenge. Uh, genuinely, when I talk in that last bit of the podcast about there being like some bright bits, and I was like, yes brightness i can't fall asleep during this and then they'd go underground i was like no come on give the the career sequence no good no good whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it was really fun it was difficult but uh yeah i don't think i've ever done anything quite that difficult in terms of like marathoning watching stuff like i've done bits and pieces before but i've never gone to like 40 hours plus and i, I don't think i've gone to like 30 hours yeah plus. i mean the problem um, is it's going to be even rougher when you do it next year yeah that is uh <laughs> reese said to me he was like if you did do it again next year I was thinking, like it's only it's only a movie or two i was like yeah but no yeah so three movies more especially given the length of infinity war that's like eight nine hours. i was gonna say it's gonna be another day on the yeah on the clock Mike, uh, Mike Leader also, the former podcast Mike Leader, tweeted me and was like, there was one point where I was like, oh, he's up to Doctor Strange, he's on the back stretch. I was like, oh, no, they release three movies a year now. Doctor Strange actually means that there's like four movies still to go after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, our listeners will have now heard our Infinity War podcast, um, but I-, I just thought I should briefly mention my viewing experience of that as well, which... 
Um, so obviously Monday was my recovery day. Uh, I went back to, I, I took the day off work. I went back to work on Tuesday and then Wednesday night rejoined me and we went to a, we went to a midnight screening of Infinity War <laughs> and got back at about 3.30 and then, you know, had to be up at half seven, eight o'clock to get to work the next morning. And, um... I, I felt like on Thursday night I was having flashbacks to the whole uh, <laughs> to the, to the whole uh, marathon on the Sunday because I uh, my my wife and I we were browsing um, <laughs> appliances for our new house on uh, on on the internet and I fell asleep in front of the computer <laughs> just just literally sat up in front of the computer. She's a lucky woman, asleep. Joe. A very like lucky she, woman. It's like how how the hell did I get through a forty hour marathon? <laughs> <laughs> but I've just fought, I've just fallen asleep looking at Samsung fridge freezers. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was uh, that was the nineteen MCU movies in a week, eighteen of them in forty hours. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, um, <laughs> but somehow it didn't break my spirit or love of the marvel movies some of them maybe um <laughs> but yeah I, I i actively was excited about going to see um infinity war and uh it yeah it was uh i think i think it was definitely all worth it in the end especially and this 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 can't go without saying because of all of you guys and all of the do- donations that you made, we um, at the time of recording now are up to two thousand and twenty pounds, which feels like a lovely, nice round number twenty twenty. Um, so thanks to everyone for supporting the uh, the fundraiser, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can be back doing it again in a year. No, no, I'm not, no. <laughs> You could just leave out a Thor too, just substitute in Infinity War. Oh, what, like the like the AMC marathon. Ah, <laughs> oh, sick, sick burn. Um, okay, uh, well, uh, thanks for listening to this mini episode. Hopefully, you enjoyed my descent into madness. Um, if you haven't already, go back and listen to our in- Avengers Infinity War podcast, and um, we'll be back with a mini episode next week. Thanks for listening, you guys. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>